Hello and welcome to Prestige, a podcast all about films, filmmaking, film theory and various conversations we like to have around that. Um, we're taking a bit of a break from our season three on directors, we'll return to that in the new year, but we had a Christmas film last week and uh, we are going to do our standard review of the year, or review of the first ten months of the year in our show today. Um so I think we will go straight into our top fives and without further ado, Rob, kick us off with your number five. So I, if anyone who follows me on Twitter will know that in the last probably month or so I've been on a real mission to try and catch up, shall we say, on the on the movies that I haven't seen this year. Um, both of us have got kids and it can be hard to actually mm. see movies in cinema, certainly. So I've been trying to catch up and at least two on my list are ones that I've caught up with in the last month and, and have really blown me away. Now, the first one is a film that really no one seemed to like, apart from my friend Robert Kings on Twitter, who is my buddy on these kind of films. Um, no one else kind of dug it, and I very much did. And that is the Luke Besson film, Valerian and a City of a Thousand Planets. It is in the fifth element, shall we say, sort of genre of overtop neon space opera. It's very much in the same Jupiter ascending box, in which I'm well aware that I am one of the, the the lone voices championing that film. And I feel, once again, like the lone voice when it comes to this film. It is, in many ways, how to describe the film, it is a thousand-foot canvas of a film. There is so much being thrown at the screen here. There are so many races and politics and world-building, and so much of it isn't explained in any way, and you've just got to totally submerge yourself into the film i will say the main two um actors uh, dane dehan and claire devlin devlin who play valerian and Loreline, not great i wouldn't say that the film's overly well cast but when you come to a look best on film you aren't watching it for the cast you're watching it for the spectacle you're watching it for the, for the visuals that he shows you and whilst this doesn't have the same kind of crunchy feel something like uh, fifth element it's real, this is much more CGI, I still bathed in the visuals of this film. Um, as we get into my top five, the visuals of this year will certainly be a, a thing I'll touch on more than once. But I feel this film ne- needs friends, it needs people to champion it, and, and I'm going to be that person. So, yes, Valerian and City of Thousand Planets. It's not for everyone, I appreciate that, right. but I thought it was brilliant. Well, <clears throat> my number five is a film that does not need any championing. It was a fairly big film this year. I wanted to put it in there, actually, because um, I think superhero films have got a lot of stick over the past... Well, there's been a backlash over the past two or three years, and I thought this was quite a good one that came out this year. Um, And it would actually be higher in my top five, but it was playing on the maternity ward when my wife was in the early stages of labour, so it has various traumatic associations for me now. Um, <laughs> it is the um, the Wonder Woman film from earlier this year, and I didn't mm. see Justice League, and I'm quite glad I didn't, but I hear that she was the only good thing in Justice League, or one of the few good things to come out of that film. And she was very good in in her own film, and Gal Gadot was very good. Um, the as with many superhero films, the last bit of the film I think we talked about it at the time is very sort of let's see 
who can punch someone in the face the hardest. But up until that point, it, it was a very good film, and I very much enjoyed watching it. And even that last bit, which can get a bit tiresome, wasn't too long. And it, in general, yes, it was it was a very good experience. I enjoyed Wonder Woman. Compounding my my lone voice status, I really uh, didn't dig Wonder Woman. It feels like 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 a uh, a uh, sort of filmic crime to to not like it. But it wasn't bad. It wasn't bad in the same way that Batman vs Superman was bad. It was just uh, I didn't care. And I appreciate, and I will happily say it's a brilliant thing that we finally got a female-fronted, female-led mm. superhero movie. And, and, and I think that's a wonderful thing, and I have absolutely no problem with the concept of the film. I don't want to be lumped in with, shall we say, the, both the anti-feminists on the internet who who decry the film for that reason, which isn't a reason, it's just a bullshit. But I saw it with my wife, and both of us left it going, meh, mm. meh. It felt like one of those films that I've often talked about that I felt were important, but overly not great. Um, as you say, it, it felt like it just in the end dissolved into into trite tropes of, of someone punching each other harder and harder and harder, um, and the twist made no sense, and it felt like they were doing interesting things with it. Um, but people loved it, and all, all power to them. But it's one of those ones where you look, if you, you, you come out of cinema, you think, did I miss it? Did I miss what that film's right. about? Well, at num- number five, Rob's gone for Valerian, so... <laughs> let's, move on, yeah. let's move on from that <laughs> <laughs> yeah my, creden- my credentials yeah. May-, may be in question at this point um, my number four um, is another film that I caught up with in the last month and actually I literally caught up with it I think yesterday or the day before now um, and this is a film that I've been wanting to see because it's well in my wheelhouse for a long time and I just never sat around and watched it um, and that is the film from Nacho Viga Londo which isn't a director I've ever heard of prior to this film and that's his film, Colossal. Those who... It's, in, it's all written in the trailer, these aren't spoilers. But Colossal stars Anne Hathaway and Jason Sudeikis. Anne Hathaway is a appears to be a, a slight alcoholic uh, dealing with the loss of her job and agency who goes home to her hometown at the same time that a giant monster appears and starts to trash soul. She comes to realise that she somehow, through some sort of magic, is in control of this monster and it follows her her movements. And the film makes you think it's going down one route in terms of this high sci-fi um, and it ends up telling a very personal, very human story about Anne Hathaway and Jason Sudeikis as old friends. It deals with alcoholism and toxic masculinity and owning your decisions and all that kind of information it's in the same kind of i don't know sort of i think we're, we're soft sci-fi boxes things like uh seeking a partner for the end of the world and all that sort of thing um i think that's probably merged two films in my head there but that kind of way it's about sci-fi but it isn't sci-fi it's a koji film it's a giant monster film i'm always gonna have a bit of a, a, a warm heart for it but this really the way it dealt with Anne Hathaway. And Jason Sudeikis, who I've always liked as an actor, but certainly brings a depth to his acting that I've never seen previously in this film. Um, so yeah, it, it's one of those ones that didn't get a little, lot of mainstream sort of play, but yeah, once again, I'm going to champion the little guy. Uh, and See, that's I, I haven't seen it, but I saw the trailer, and the first thing I saw when I thought when I saw the trailer was, Rob will love this film. Yeah, <laughs> and I did. I really did. 
Um, well, my number four, and I think it's a productive, well, maybe a productive, not going to the cinema much at the end of this year, um, maybe a productive in not being a great year for films, but I think my number five and my number four in another year would not be in my top five. Um, and my number four... I didn't enjoy it so I didn't, didn't enjoy it perhaps as much as I thought I was going to I had huge hugely high expectations for it which didn't pan out um, but the more I think back in it the more I think what a beautifully crafted film it was um, and I've talked to you before about um, Edgar Wright not necessarily as an amazing auteur but as a brilliantly technical um, crafter of films, mm-hmm. and it is his his film of this year, Baby Driver, um, and it's that that technical craft which I very much enjoyed in this film. And the more I've the more I've looked back at it, the more I've warmed to it. I think um, the acting performances were uniformly great and the look of the film was very slick and the way it was edited was was very well he's his background in music editing editing comes through um and yeah i in another year maybe i wouldn't put it up there but i think on reflection i would put it in my my top five this year so number four for me is baby driver at one point of compiling my list, Baby Driver was number four on my list. Oh, right. Um, I, well, that's another film I've caught up with in the last couple of months. Um, and I think I'm, I'm, I'm very similar to you on that. I went into it with high hopes and they were somewhat met. Hmm. Um, I, I think there's... I've read a very interesting article, I can't think where it was, about uh, Edgar Wright and Simon Pegg and how Simon Pegg gives Edgar Wright heart and Edgar Wright gives... Simon Pegg technique mm. and between the two of them they can craft some of the best films of the last 10 years yeah but separately they just don't they can't they aren't whole without each other and I know if both of them kind of probably would push back on that so they both kind of carve a career aside from each other yeah. but I just I, I would agree I thought it was technically the opening um, car chase I thought was one of the best bits of uh, film driving that I've seen in a long time mm. harken back to things like Ronin, French Connection, even Drive, and the scene in which he walked to get the coffee. I just loved it. Mm. It was just one long take. It was brilliant. But I, I agree. I think that it kind of, it didn't quite bring me into the character's heart of it. Mm. Um, but they has mooted the idea of a sequel, so I'm intrigued to know where they go with that. Yeah, that that is intriguing because he, well, you would have thought the story would have ended there, but who, who knows where they go, as you say. Mm-hmm. You're three. Three. Three is... We're going to move into some more mainstream, I think a little less controversial from me. Um, and so I'm going to go on with Taika Waititi's Thor Ragnarok. This is the third Thor film, um, though I think at this point it is fifth film that Thor's been in, sixth film. Um, but essentially it deals with Thor coming up against his, at this point, previously unknown older sister, um, who's trying to destroy uh, the, where they live, trying to destroy, destroy the home Asgard and he deals with being thrown across time and space interrupted with a Hulk touched on ideas of Planet Hulk and you meet a larger array of characters uh, from the Asgardian world 
unlike previous Thor films, which were a bit kind of Shakespearean and a bit serious, um, which, is, which is not a bad thing, but certainly was a style that Kenneth Branagh was bringing to it. This felt much more in the kind of more comedic Flight of the Concords, Kiwi humour style that Taika Waititi is, is well known for. Mm. It's certainly, I would say, the funniest film on my my top five for this year, which for a Marvel film um, is a rarity. And also I think it's, we've often talked on Marvel films previously being a bit samey. They're a bit, you know, apart from Guardians, which kind of, it's a, the weird younger brother of all these films. The sort of the earthbound ones, the Avengers films, shall we say, tend to be a bit all looking the same, all sounding the same kind of thing. Whereas yeah. this was very much Dayglow, neon. The music was much close to the Guardians music style of, you know, pop music. Um, and I just really enjoyed it. It was brilliant to see Hemsworth stretching his comedic legs, St. Hilsden, um, and also Mark Ruffalo playing uh, Bruce Banner brought a lot of humour to the role. So yeah, it, I just I, it's one of my favourite Marvel films ever, I think. If not the... Probably not as good as Guardians 1, but certainly number 2. Oh, great. I do think that... Hiddleston's comedic performances are like kind of get forgotten in, in his sort of his stratospheric career in quote unquote serious acting now mm. and you forget how good he was and is in that film have you, have you seen Thor? no I, I, I'm, I'm unsure at what point this, the hammer fell down the curtain fell on, on your movie <laughs> watching for the year um, it it was I think it was in the run up um, I had quite mm. a busy time in the run up um, Fair enough. So no, I, <clears throat> I, I I think it w- it would it would tick some boxes for you if you get a chance to see oh, it. I, I I would recommend it. All right, well. What about number three for you, sir? Um, well, you've gone big, and I am going in the opposite direction. Um, and I'm going for a film that I, and as you've done, I've caught up on a couple recently. Um, and I'll. Well, we we touched on one of those already a couple of weeks ago, um, but the film I'm going for is a a Netflix film, um, and it's not the big budget monstrosity bright that looks to be terrible in every respect. It is um, a lovely little film called Okja, um, which is, I suppose, it is. It's the tale of a huge organisation fronted by Tilda Swinton that is um, looking to breed breed a new breed of pig, as it were, a, a super pig. And it's about um, one of these super pigs who gets created. I say who because it's a character in itself, even though it's CGI'd. Um, who gets created and becomes friends with a little girl in Korea, and it's the the decision of the company to take the super big back in because, from their point of view, it's their property, and from her point of view, it's them taking away a beloved pet, and she goes after it and comes up against this huge corporation. And one of the things I really liked about it is not not just that it's filmed beautifully and acted brilliantly, although it is. Um, I mean, just the editing of the opening credits, you can see that. Um, It's the way that 
this is not some sort of saccharine little girl with a beloved pet is good and everyone else is bad story you can see you can see that what the corporation doing is, is perfectly justified I mean Tilda Swinton talks about it in the opening monologue she's saying well the the world is running out of resources and if the planet continue the population continues to develop like this then we're either all going to need well she doesn't say we're all going to need to turn vegan but that's one of the options the other option is get smarter with the way we breed animals and that's what Mm. they're doing and you think well that's an entirely justified point of view i can see the little girl okay yeah, this is a family pet being taken away from her, but you can also see the other point of view, which is, well, this is food. And yes. also this is this is millions and millions of dollars have gone into breeding this, this new strain. So it's really interesting to see that the sort of nuanced attitude to, uh, to a, a film that could have sort of dived into being sickly sweet. And it really wasn't. That is one of the, the to watch films that I haven't actually got to this year. Oh right! Um, so I, I will take your recommendation and, and uh, try and catch up with it before Definitely. the year's out. Really lovely film. What's your number three? No, my number three, three is or two? Yeah. No, two. Two. Yes. Two. Yes. Yeah. My number two. So sticking with the theme of, of giant animals that you you brought up there, my number two is unsurprisingly another kaiju film from the year, um, and that is the. Latest, suppose in the King Kong um, sort of canon, and Kong Skull Island, directed by Jordan Voigt Roberts, um, who isn't a name that I overly know. I'm just going to literally, while I'm sitting here, have a quick look at what else he's done. It isn't a name that jumped out at me, but uh, Kings of Summer, I think, is the only thing that I've seen him do previously. A lot of TV. Um, but I thought it was, in terms of Kong films, I've always been a fan of Kong films, but this one was beautiful. I thought it was brutal. In many ways, I think there were some great performances uh, from Samuel Jackson, John C. Riley, John Goodman. Uh, personal favourite of mine, Mark Evan Jackson, was in it as a smallish role. Toby Kebble was in it as a, a first soldier. Tom Hiddleston, who we've mentioned previously, was in it as the lead with Brie Larson. I felt those two were not as quite as as good as everyone else. This was a film that they felt like the uh, people who strolled in from the uh, Gap adverts. Into, into the wrong sort of film, shall we say. Mm. But I thought visually it was, shall we say, the, ste- the second most stunning film of the year, and that's all got a shout-out to Larry Fong, who was the cinematographer. Larry, if you don't know, did 300, did Watchmen, did Sucker Punch, did Super 8, did Now You See Me. Um, he even did Batman vs Superman, Dawn of Justice. He is a visual cinematographer. He does bring visuals. He may not have been met with the best directors over his, over his career, um, but if you look at visual films, this is the man who brings those memorable visuals that we talk about. Even films like Batman vs Superman, which we, we everyone could describe as not a great film, was certainly a, a, a visual film. It was a, looking, a good-looking mm. film. Um, and 300 and Watchmen certainly are films that you think about the visuals for. And this is another one in that same canon. There are shots of helicopters coming in over Skull Island, the shots of Kong himself. Kong has never looked better. I'm not, I'm, I am a fan of the... It's 2004, 2003 version from Peter Jackson. It's a very different, very different film. Um, but this is it, it's 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 a beautiful film. If, I mean, it's gone now from cinemas. But if you ever see it and you look at cinema guys, go and see it. It's worth seeing on the big screen. Great. What about you, Sam? Number two. Uh, number two. 
This is a film that I didn't seek out, and I only saw it because it happened to be on at the time I went to the cinema, which was, I enjoy going to the cinema on my own, and I happened to be there about half twelve in the afternoon, and it was playing, and I thought, why not? And it turned out to be brilliant. It is the film Their Finest. Um, a... I mean, it, it starts off and you think you know where it's going and it's a story of various people during the war and different attitudes to a story that may or may not have happened around Dunkirk. Um, and it very quickly becomes another story entirely and there are several twists that you don't see coming and and not in a... Only I'm not the most switched on viewer and I often miss twists but you genuinely no one could see the twists in this film coming um it was just I it was blown away by it and as I said it was not one that I'd gone and sought out it was just one that was in the cinema and I happened to wander in and it was a lovely film um, I have this lovely image of you in some sort of like tweed jacket and a pipe just going, oh, I wander into this screening. <laughs> like, oh, this film's playing. I'll sit down and watch this. Well, apart from the fact that I don't smoke. Um... <laughs> <laughs> the tweed jacket's right there, aren't you? Uh, no comment. Fair enough. Uh, I'm just thinking up. It's Lerner Sherlock. I believe it's her directorial debut. Um Oh no, she um, she directed an education. Um, mm. just, I did enjoy that one. Did yeah, enjoy that. I was just thinking that it was um, her first English language film, but it wasn't. She did an education. She also did, uh, which I know you enjoyed. One day, we may yes. not enjoy the the book of it, but we enjoyed the film of it. Um, so yes, directed by Lynn Shirley, very good. Um, Excellent. An excellent watch, a surprising watch, but an excellent watch. It is sitting in my in my to watch pile. I must say, I kind of glanced over it in the last few thought. Thought, ah, I'll leave it in a year. I didn't know it was uh, so high in expectations. I, I probably would have given it some more chance before the before, before recording. It's it's it, one one to watch with the wife. I think it's it's an enjoyable family film. I shall I shall check it out. So number one, mm. number one, the best film of the year um, for me. There's been no comparison since I saw it. It's not Mad uh, Max again, is it? <laughs> Honestly, if I could do it again, I would. Honestly, that, 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 that film. But this is the best film I have seen since Mad Max. Um, and that is the belated sequel to the long-term classic, and that is Blade Runner 2049. Denis Villeneuve um, is director. He's uh, sort of... His star has been on the rise, shall we say, over the last few years. Um, he did Sicario, um, which I think else he's done. He did uh, Arrival, which I haven't seen, but uh, I know that people do rave about his sort of prisoners. And this is sort of his, shall we say, his big breakout um, into into the ultra-budget movie, shall we say. But I think really, really the star of this show is, once again, the cinematographer, Roger Deakins, probably one of the best cinematographers living this day and he brings a visual to this film unlike anything I've seen since Mad Max um, the locations that he picks out and the different worlds he creates are un- unparalleled really you know, Blade Runner the original one is a huge film and part of my film education and 
I was very worried about how they do that. Would they? Because it's, it's a very, very eighties film, and they managed to evoke the same feeling as that movie without being the same as that movie. Um, and they've done the trick that I think Force Awakens missed um, when that was kind of trying to update a, a world whilst giving it its own spin. And it felt very much of the world of Blade Runner, whilst not being the world of Blade Runner. I think there are great performances throughout. I think Harrison Ford's never been better than he was as Decker, Decker in this. I think Ryan Gosling is Ryan Gosling. He's you know, one of the best actors around today for good reason. He's creating it. Um, and there are other revelations for me. Um, Dave Bautista, who is um, obviously from the Guardians films and other films, ex-wrestler, he brought a, a gentleness to his role that I thought was was amazing. Robin Wright Penn, or Robin Wright as she's now going, uh, brilliant actress, well known for her skills. She was brilliant in it. Um, and uh, Anna de Armas, um, Armas, I think her name is, who I've only previously seen in one of the worst films I've ever seen which was Knock Knock, and people will remember who've listening for a while and know my, my feelings on Knock Knock. Um, is that the that? Re- Keanu Reeves? Oh, yeah. That is, she was, she was played one of the girls. Um, so she was going into this on a low batting average, shall we say. <laughs> uh, but she was, she was brilliant. She plays Joy, Kay's replicant girlfriend, shall we say. Um, and she is th- the exact level of being heartfelt and warm but at the same time never forgetting that she is a created person so yeah it was just it was everything i wanted the sequel to blade runner to be um and i i just i just loved it end to end i saw it imax i sat there open mouth brilliant i i, I could add thousands and thousands of adjectives how much i love this film right um but yeah best films in mad max good sam it pleases me actually that we have absolutely no overlaps in our thoughts. I was thinking that, yeah. I was thinking that. Nothing worth touching, same. Yeah. Um, it, well, not, it doesn't please me that we disagree. It, it uh, pleases me that we've got lots to talk about. Um, my number one is, well, head and shoulders for me. It was, I knew when I saw it. Uh, similar to you actually I think I knew when I saw it this uh, brilliant film and it was almost certainly going to be the best of the year it is the horror thriller film Get Out Um, and it's directed by Jordan Peele and it's his it is his directorial debut um, or his big screen debut it stars Daniel Kaluuya and um, Alison Williams, who were respectively in Skins and Girls, neither of which I've ever seen, so I knew neither of them. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's just absolutely brilliant. Um, it's you don't think it's going to be a horror film at the start, and it seems to be a sort of fairly pedestrian film about. Well, not, I suppose pedestrians a bit much. It seems to be sort of a a paint by numbers film about race and race relations in modern America, and then it very quickly becomes something very different. Mm. And it's just brilliant. It's, I mean, it's it's filmed exceptionally. The those two performances are brilliant. It's also got um, Bradley Whitford in, who I can only ever associate with the West Wing but he has done other things since Um, it's just it it, it, it's mind boggling it's I mean their finest I saw at lunchtime this I saw um, about 11 o'clock at night and it was just 
it it was scary in the way that the horror film should be. Um, I mean, I'm not a huge fan of horror, but um, if I do watch horror film, it has to be done right, and this was certainly done right. Um, the discussions about race became more interesting as the film went on, and the acting performances were brilliant throughout. And I just the the look on um, Daniel Kaluuya's face when he realizes he realizes something at the turning point of the film. Um, I'm looking at the theatrical release poster now. There's a shot of his face as he realizes, and it's just it's one of the the best acting performances, and he just does it with his eyes. It's just brilliant. I love that film. I mentioned earlier a previous version of my list and Get Out was the one that I really, really, really wanted to get into my list. Right. Okay. I, I, I agree with you. I, I think it's the best horror film I've seen this year. And I think that it's... It, the thing I like about it is there was... It sounds strange today, but there, there, there were revelations upon revelations. You think you've got your handle on what's going on mm. and then something else happens. Yeah. Um, and you're right. It's unnerving and it's it's satire but it's also genuinely a horror film yeah um and yeah i i as a debut director i thought it was brilliant but that was one where i really i really struggled to, i really wanted to get into my top five in the end i couldn't find space for it but i really wanted to get it in there i, I agree with everything you said um and i really can't fault it as a film lovely film um do you have anything that we i mean you've just talked about things that might get into your top five do you have any other sort of uh, honourable um, mentions. Honourable mentions. I would throw in Atomic Blonde, um, uh, which is like a Cold War esque um, action movie. Um, now, was that any good? Because I haven't seen that, and I saw the trailer and thought, mm, in places, sure. yeah, it, it, it would probably make my top ten um, of the year. Um, it wouldn't make top five, obviously. Um, honourable mention, more than anything else. Right. I would say you want if you want to see a really good action film, you want to check Mayhem. Uh, starring Stephen Young, who I believe is in, actually in Okra, I believe, but he's also in The Walking Dead. Um, and that is in the same kind of vein as The Raid, but shall we say mixed with some sort of Shaun of the Dead style comedy violence. That was brilliant. That that one certainly, would, that was one that made my top five. Um, Star Wars Last Jedi. It, it, it could, I couldn't quite find room for it in, the, in my top five, but I very much enjoyed The Last Jedi. Mm. Um, and literally, t- t- it was twenty minutes before we recorded. That was number five on my list, and I swapped out for Valerian in the last the last minute before we recorded. Um, but I did enjoy the last. I, I thought that was a very good film. I know a lot of people didn't like it. it has had, obviously had a lot of hatred. I think, but as I said last uh, last week, uh, the people are wrong. <laughs> I think people. Uh, tolerance at Christmas time. It's so I, uh, beautiful. Okay, the, the, the moment they're wrong, I think they are missing the point of the film. Um, I think that people go into that in Star Wars, particularly expecting a certain thing and sort of demanding a certain thing from a Star Wars film. Which people who lapped up the Force Awakens and rave about the Force Awakens aren't going to like the Last Jedi because it's a very different sort of film. Yeah, right. um, but I think that is to its power and to its detriment, and not, not to its detriment. Um, but yeah, that was my own mentions. What right. about you? Um, well, I, I know you're not a huge fan of musicals, so La La Land not really up your street. I I enjoyed La La Land. It was 
again top ten rather than top five. Um, but I thought it was it was a, a beautiful thing to look at, and it touched on uh, sort of staples of the genre without being too nod nod wink wink. wink. Um, and the leading performances were good without being absolutely outstanding in a taking you out of the story way, as I believe I said last week. Um, so I would put La La Land up there. Um, honorable mention for um, the second Guardians film as well, which I didn't enjoy as much as the first, but I mean that's a, a very high high bar. Um, yes, I th- I, 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 Guardians Two was one I forgot to mention, but yeah, that was another good film that mm. I very much enjoyed this year. Um, and the last one I did enjoy was, and it surprised me how much I did enjoy it, was the Lego Batman film. I mm. thought it was just a bit of fun. I mean, it, it wasn't a, uh, this film is amazing, it's going to be on list of the year sort of sort of thing, but it, it was just in, an enjoyable way to spend a couple of hours. And it, and after, I mean, the last Batman film I saw before that was Batman versus Superman. It was certainly miles and miles better than that. <laughs> certainly that. <laughs> so, guys, that's our top five, already top ten, given we didn't have any overlaps mm. of the year. Please come find us on Twitter and tell us the films that we've missed. I'm always up for hearing about new films that I may have missed this year, so come find us. You can find both of us at Pretty Podcast. You can find just me at Life underscore Academic. And you can find just me at Rob Kaiju. And we'll be back next week as we return to our director series. So that's it for this week. We'll be continuing next week, as Rob said, with our series of directors. And we'll be going with Alejandro González Iñárritu and his, I suppose, his his breakup film, the, the one that people know him for. It's the 2000 film Amoris Peros. Brilliant. And we'll see you guys next week. The Prestige is a Kaiju Industries production. Check out their other work at facebook.com forward slash Kaiju Industries. Rawr! Arg.